0: Welcome into Film Tank, the weekly podcast that covers both new and classic cinema. On this episode of Film Tank, we discuss the new Catherine Bigelow film, which is Detroit. If you would like to get in touch with Film Tank, you can always email us at filmtankshow at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Film Tank Show, and you can listen to all of our episodes on our website, filmtankshow.com, or on iTunes. And now, here are your hosts, Nick Cheney, Toussaint Egan, and myself, Alex Diekman there again everybody and welcome in to episode 123 of film tank again it is uh just the two amigos this week it is myself alex diegman just the two of us you and i sorry and nick cheney hey at the other microphones helm hi
1: yep i'm helming the shit out of this microphone
0: yeah i don't know i don't know what's happening i don't either I don't know. I've had episodes where I've had more than no alcohol, which I haven't had anything yet, that have started better than this, so that's
1: not good. (laughs) So, Anyways, uh, the two of us... I think we're both just really excited to talk about the events in this film. (laughs) In what way? Oh, we'll get there. Okay,
0: okay. (laughs) Uh, So, uh, the film we are talking about is the new-ish film uh, from Catherine Bigelow. New-ish? Well, it came out by the time we actually release this. It'll probably actually be Uh, out of the theater.
1: You're you're preparing for the...
0: Yeah, (laughs) for the... And this is the... We're entering the second week of its release, so...
1: I think that's pretty new. Most people don't even go to theaters these days.
0: Uh, Clearly, they don't. (laughs) I'm just saying. Uh, as the box office numbers have have shown... This is like
1: an advanced screening to the average (laughs) moviegoer.
0: If it costs more than a dollar, it's, yeah. We paid full
1: price for this film. So that's something. Sure did. But you know who also paid the price? Justice.
0: (laughs) Justice and that little bastard from the Maze Runner. Yep. He was here,
1: the main <laughs> I like, antagonist. I like, I like how that's that's where your mind goes, and not like we're the Millers or, nope. uh, yeah, or Shameless or the Revenant. Yeah, yeah. nope. Well, he's in the Revenant, it's a sim, or I would say it's a similar branching out of his <laughs> doe-eyed comedy <laughs> prepubescent territory.
0: Yeah, but here, uh, you know, Will Poulter's going for a little. He's going for something. I'm not quite sure what it is, but he was going for it. <laughs> Nick's just making the same faces. It's
1: the Robert De Niro face.
0: Oh no, he didn't.
1: He was pretty much, maybe not as squinty, but I he mean, liked he was to
0: trying it. to do it, but failing miserably, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> he wasn't smoking the entire time, which nothing. It's a, a pre for Robert De Niro films usually. In the good old days. So anyways, the film we're talking about is Detroit, the 2017 crime drama, uh, which is based on a true story. Yes, it is. Yes. And the events surround uh, amidst the chaos of the Detroit Rebellion with the city under curfew and the Michigan National Guards patrolling the street, three young African-American men Are murdered at the Algiers Hotel.
1: Spoilers, Jesus. Yeah. Also, it's a motel. Well, you know, it's M H. Actually, I'm a little uh, confused. So, I'm not like actually making a joke here. I just Mm want to like actually figure something out really quick. Uh Geography wise, Mm -hmm. that house is part of the motel property. Yes, that's what they call the annex with like Mm -hmm. that house. Okay, so that first. When she, like, said that, the clerk, um, and then, like, they walked through, whatever, I thought mm-hmm. maybe they actually left the motel for a moment. No, it was... But I kind of get it, now different that i was, But, yeah, yeah, so, but that's all one... I got it. Never mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't see that every day, so... No. Anyway. Well, you don't
0: see riots every day,
1: Well, usually. We 2017. don't.
0: So this film has uh a lot of people moving in and out through it uh that are some are more well not known Will
1: Poulter. <laughs> well,
0: he's he's there. He's not moving a lot. He's trying to move his
1: face. He's oh, You actually shot him. Oh shit. Yeah, who didn't see that coming? Huh? I said, who didn't see that coming? And that comes from someone myself hmm? who did not know every historical detail of this. Mm-hmm. So, just even just taking of the narrative, whether it's based on real life or not, which in this case it is, mm-hmm. the minute they started doing this fake shooting thing, I said, I can't wait for someone to accidentally shoot someone for real.
0: Well, it wasn't accidental. Mental. I meant
1: accidental in the sense that, like, they
0: were. We didn't get our ducks in a row here beforehand. Right,
1: accidental f- as uh as poor uh planning amongst the cops. So yeah. to speak. Anyway.
0: Well, I kind of went with the themes of this film, I Ooh. think, so, you know. Uh John Boyega and Anthony Mackey are probably the most well known people who are somewhat main characters in this film.
1: I don't think this movie has a main character.
0: No, I'm not really. General, it, but as I'm saying, yeah. they are, uh, they're the top billing in the film, although.
1: Top billing, but hmm? Will Poulter pretty much gets the only arc. <laughs> Stole the show. Well, I'm just saying, writing wise, he's the only one that's given a beginning, middle, and pretty much an end. Like, yeah, every like even some of the like. Let's take the character at the end on. He's technically not even introduced until moments before uh, the actual event, and quite a bit after the actual prologue. So. Yeah, it's kind of a little bit all over yeah. the place. Yeah.
0: Uh, so, anyways, uh, that character Larry, who uh, Larry. Nick was just mentioning. Yes. Played by Algie Smith. Uh, also, we have uh, some other people, including Jacob Lattimore here. And other people like Hannah Murray, who uh, I never watched her. Hannah Murray? Show, but she was, that's who she was Game of Thrones and was in the uh, the Dark Shadows film. Uh, and a couple other small things that she's been in. But Game of Thrones is probably where most people would know her from, I would guess. I
1: think most people would know her from Skins. Oh, okay. Because she was very... She was the main character in that oh, okay. a British show. Oh, okay. She was also in Bell and Sebastian's, uh, or the guy who is in Bella and Sebastian's musical film from two years ago that I loved, called "God Help the Girl."
0: Anyway, hmm. and yeah. then we had a few white people show up at the end, including <laughs> Jennifer Ely, Jeremy Strong, and John Krasinski. Yeah, as the lawyer. Yep. So he isn't was it there. true? it true that I'm the highest-paid performer in this film?
1: <laughs> yeah, <That's>... man. <laughs> Nine seasons on The Office, and that's what you get, I guess. Here we
0: are. So this is Catherine Bigelow's first film since Zero, right. Dark... Oh. <laughs> since Zero Dark Thirty in 2012. Uh, and she had previously directed the uh, Best Picture winner, The Hurt Locker, in 2008 as well. So, before we get into opening remarks, uh, definitely a an interesting take on this film. I don't know. I mean, obviously it was always there, but in the week or so leading up to this, really saw ramping up people's thoughts or even just comments on uh, this film regarding... Uh, the mistreatment of African-Americans uh, in a time uh, directed by a white person. And um, yeah, that just all of a sudden, you know, it's, it's weird because I saw the trailer for this and I was interested in seeing it because it was, I actually thought, a really well done trailer. And I guess I did not even really put that together uh until i actually thought about it for more than a half second which is all i really give trailers these days in terms of the thought process unless it's something i'm really interested in and yeah that's um that's just a very i don't want to say interesting but it's a you know, you go into it and you think, "Oh man, this is this has so many ways that this could go, and not a lot of them are really great for Catherine Piccolo <laughs> as a director." I mean,
1: yeah, it's kind of you're damned if you do, you're damned if
0: yeah, you do know. Yeah, like there's, um, <laughs> but re- I will say, ri- really, really every single decision that is made throughout the film could be critiqued in a way that yeah. goes back on the director saying, "Oh, I guess." that person is the white savior oh i guess they did that because we're and it's just um it's just kind of a uh an interesting place to be in especially in the current social climate that we live in 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 this uh in this year with this political regime we have uh currently
1: running the government um to yeah be fair mm -hmm. uh, as far as the talk about this film ramping up about a week or so before it was released. I think that's mostly because the critics, you know, embargoes are lifted, and mm-hmm. most of the people doing that talking were people who had actually seen the movie, mm-hmm. starting to publish their pieces. Uh, particularly, there was one at RogerRieber.com that was fantastically written, um, and a few others. But So I, it was less like people nitpicking something before they haven't seen it, and more just that. In this day and age, whether I like this movie or dislike this movie, it is unfortunate that you know it's hard to like go see a movie these days without already kind of being handed opinion. And I don't mean opinion on quality of films, but on a socio political spectrum as to where a movie might stand, which is very hard to not see after you've seen it. Now, some people can then disagree with it or agree with it, and that's where our own perspective comes into play, but that information certainly affects the way we see movies.
0: Yeah, Well, for the most part, I've almost unanimously enjoyed every Catherine Bigelow film, so I was way on board for whatever this was going to be, whether it be just a straight trying to tell a story that definitely has some blank spots in it, whether it be because they were shunned out of the way, or because the the reality is, is that this fifty years ago now, so you've got some shady details, whether they be covered up or just fallen away in time. So, yeah.
1: So, Nick, you want to go? Want to go first? You want me to go first? Sure. Okay. Do, <laughs> do you mind? Or no, 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 no. I figured you were going to. Yeah. Because I know you are excited to see this, but I'll go first. Okay. Okay. Um, I thought this was pretty bad. <laughs> I thought. I guess I've never really liked a Catherine Bigelow film, or at least her later day work, because I've not actually seen anything previous to *The uh, Hurt Locker*. I've still have been meaning to see *Point Blank*. I will admit. I think *Point I'd, Break*. *Point Break*. Yeah. There it is. I think I'd have fun with that. But in general, um, her two war efforts have not done much for me at all. Um, so, yeah, I was a little skeptical as to what I could possibly get out of this before I saw it. Here's the thing. There are a lot of things at play here that are decent, like performances and, you know, cinematography and, you know, just a lot of the technical aspects. Not in a way that I would actually, like, write home about, so to speak, but it's more than competent. It's certainly, uh well-oiled but for me i am just at a loss as to what the purpose of this movie is um because if it's to educate white people that is pretty condescending (laughs) because there's even a and i'm not saying white people shouldn't be condescending too but I'm just taking this by face value mm-hmm. because if there's even a, a – um, in the opening prologue, which I'm going to get to in a minute, but one of the little blurbs in text on screen says something like African-Americans move were moved out of the suburb, whatever, forced out of their job. And then it says something like disillusioned by the freedom they were not granted as if like this is like news to anybody. Um so if you are a person that is learning something from this movie and I'm not talking like dates and times and actual facts of the case but I'm like if you're watching this going holy shit racism this, this really happened um that's sad <laughs> and Catherine Bigelow has made a movie for you <laughs> um but then let's just look at the other because this is an African American story um I feel like this is a slap in the face. I can't speak for an entire population, and I won't, but I feel like... Imagine sitting down to watch a movie mm-hmm. in which, yeah, a white uh, person is going to tell you a story about one of the bleakest parts of, I would say, more contemporary American, uh, African-American history um, and having to sit through it just to be recited the facts, and that's it. Like, there's nothing else there. Just Other than just, we got some good performances for people to really bring it to life.
0: How about the, uh I mean, I guess maybe they had to put it there? But how about the closing paragraph at the end of the film that's pretty much like, we made all that up. Yeah, that was...
1: Yeah, <laughs> That was another like really uh, <laughs> yeah, moment. but still it was yeah, yeah,
0: it was like you just watched the whole film and it's like oh you got the you mean this
1: was not a documentary?
0: I was going to say you got the Law and Order. These were fictional. games. Yeah, <laughs> just
1: <laughs> like clearly, and like then you don't even have the balls to just admit that it happened, even if you legally, you know, whatever. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you there. Um, and, and speaking of just being kind of an insult, at least in my opinion to African-American culture. Okay, so we're going to spend the entire movie, for the most part, at least the whole mid because then there's a... I wouldn't call it a denouement. I'd call it a whole fucking second and third act. It's it was like a little 40 long. 40 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we're spending the meat of the movie during this dark, dark time period, whatever. But <laughs> to... <laughs> I'm sorry, but I don't know how this got greenlit, but to make African-American history pre-America basically look like a cave painting as if it's like a mystical thing that we can't... Whoa! Especially when Bigelow was constantly reaching for news articles and documentary footage, and I'm not saying that there were cameras back then, but to essentially make it seem like a fairy tale opening is pretty fucking weird.
0: Yeah, I—I I mean, I think the biggest problem with that was the here's. Here's the 200 year history of slavery. Yeah. and here's Detroit. And it was 1960- shitty animation. Like, yeah, I, I'm yeah. just
1: saying. Like, if you had, like, I, this sounds stupid, but if you had gotten like a, a Studio Ghibli animator to come in and you actually commissioned like something that was genuinely, I you mean, know, whatever. The, 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 but the, this ri- was like, we're not gonna film this, so we need someone to sketch. Something that, A, people don't need to know, I mean, just in general. Like, it's well, not going the, to...
0: The, the reality is, is just what you were saying a few minutes ago, is that it's... If if you're going into this film and don't have an awareness that black people have been disenfranchised to for hundreds of years... um Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and... I, I don't think... Some not-so-great drawings at the beginning of the film is going to really do it for you. So yeah,
1: No, no, for sure. Yeah, overall, I was kind of bewildered by the fact that I... <laughs> that we live in a world where Tarantino can spawn does the hateful way hate, use the N-word too many times, but I doubt that this movie will come as much under fire. Certainly people are writing pieces about it, but I doubt white people are going to truly stand up and call this for what it is, which is exploitation. And I like exploitation cinema. Like I have obviously, especially in this past year, have been going on and on about how that's been my new bag. But if you're going to pretend like you're a quote-unquote serious drama... And then co-opt an entire population culture. Minus any hint of character or agency. Or fucking vitality. There's just no point to this. Like I wouldn't even call it offensive. I just call it a void. There's just nothing here. And what is here is tiring, exhausting... And frankly, I would say borders on insensitive. I'm not saying it really crossed the line because it's not like these things didn't happen. It's not like, you know, whatever. But when you have a movie populated by white and black actors, and the only person who pretty much gets an actual story arc... Is the one main racist white cop because we get to see him before the the riots during the whatnot? I mean,
0: I, the the main uh, the main character who, even though he wasn't the main character, but Larry, who's the, the yeah, main, but
1: I mean, then why wait to introduce him as if he didn't exist? Until no, the mean, riot, like that's I,
0: weird. I mean, there wasn't.
1: It's real... almost like the police had a had a job to do that day, but these people only existed when they crossed the white man's path. It's just no. I'm just saying. Like, what, what is the point of the structure then?
0: Well, um, for me, I. So I don't, why don't you go on? Yeah, yeah. I don't. Uh, I don't think I had as much uh, disdain for this film as, as you. And I don't. Yeah. I don't think you really have a fiery strong negative opinion about this uh other than having a few things that you didn't really care for um for me uh i think the problem here is i just don't have a real strong opinion about this uh which is disappointing because i again i've for the most part enjoyed catherine bigelow's films um i, I was interested what what was going to happen here as uh i thought that uh, her last film, which again followed uh, a very interesting real life story that uh, had intrigue from the outset. I mean the the idea of somebody coming out with a film uh, that basically surrounds around the events of Osama bin Laden's capture and 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 death uh, a year after it happened was like. And I know that I remember the the kind of story about Zero Dark Thirty. That's not what they were even making the film about. And then it just kind of fell into their lap, which that's how it works
1: sometimes. Um, But. And let's remember that Zero Dark Thirty opens up with actual telephone calls and dialogue Mm -hmm. from the plane, which had very little to do with the actual narrative so I think Bigelow herself has a bit of a victim's mentality when it comes to her uh, real life stories uh, as far as manipulation goes Yeah,
0: Um, I think there were parts of that film that made me interested in what we were going to see here because that film has a lot to say about uh, the idea of torture and getting information out of people uh, we see the separation between the George Bush regime and the Barack Obama regime that goes throughout that film as uh the main characters played by Jessica Chastain and then the other pretty main character played by Jason Clarke are brutally uh interrogating people and it's it's got some very uncomfortable moments throughout the first well actually the whole film but really the first hour or so are just Pretty much just them torturing people, um, and then we see them eventually capturing and killing Osama bin Laden. And that film, uh, in my opinion, is is much better than this one. I agree. Um, as as this film, uh, unfortunately, um, just kind of loses its own way. I feel like throughout, as it seems like this was trying to trying to tell a lot of. Different viewpoints, and at the same time, trying to appease a bunch of different people. I think. I mean, like this is just trying to do too much, and really accomplishing almost nothing. Is I feel like this is a this is a film that really just goes nowhere, and I think the problem is is. Uh, I'll actually compare this in terms of the way its structure goes to another film that doesn't have similar content but has the similar idea of things continuously just going around in circles and you're never going to you're never going to find a happy resolution for anybody because there is never going to be an answer and that was uh, actually the pretty good but I don't think it's great I know Nick loves it Uh, the David Fincher film Zodiac which has Whoa. Yeah, I know you're a fan. This is
1: like hmm? Okay, keep going.
0: No, I'm just saying in terms of the, um the idea of you you're watching a film that is supposed to be centered around true events of people attempting to get information uh and going back and forth and the difference in my opinion and obviously again, much different films but the difference, in my opinion, is you're trying to tell this this story in zodiac that that really has no ending, and you're 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 going in circles the entire time, and that's the whole point of the film is it's trying to show you that this is what these people spent the last thirty years of their lives doing, and there is never going
1: to be a firm resolution which is also. Actually, it's funny you're making this comparison, but that's Mm -hmm. essentially the (laughs) MO of Zero Dark Thirty, which is, like, the final shot of that movie says, like, mission accomplished doesn't actually (laughs) amount to much.
0: Yeah, but here we have the same idea that we had this horrible string of events happened that, A, led up to the riots in Detroit, but also during the events of them, which it's being treated like a war zone, you have people multiple times throughout just saying, oh, man, this doesn't look like America. And it's like, what? Uh,
1: yeah. Um, My favorite character in the entire movie, by the way, mm-hmm. is the white woman who was stealing a TV during the riot. Yeah, what? <laughs> that was awesome. That was something.
0: So Profiteering. Yeah, uh, where I was really going with the zodiac comparison, though, is that this film tries to show that there is just was never going to be a solid resolution to this case. That there was always going to be either something was covered up, or you wouldn't have people talk because they're dead, or they had some weird thing going on where they were always you know turned the other way. And I get what it's trying to say with that that, that there's never going to be a, a true answer to these crimes that happen, and they're just going to continue on with the... Most people have associated guilt with these white people, just as most people have associated guilt with O.J. Simpson in the Nicole Brown Simpson case. Um, But at the same time, it, this, this story to me just felt like it had so many different aspects of it and this lost focus at way too many points. And I, I got it early on because I actually really liked the editing and this cinematography early on in this film, because I felt like it really, really connected with what the material was of this bizarre looting action that's happening. People who feel like they have no, like you, you have no one to trust because if you can't trust the police who are supposed to be your main protector, who who, who do you trust then? Um, But is this wears on, we just have so many sidelines that are just, that, that just go in so many different directions. And I, I get it again. Uh, like I've said before, I, I understand what this film is trying to do with that. But at the same time, like, we have focused on so many small details of all these characters. And I feel like I just watched a story that is trying to tell me, Oh, here's the true story of all these people who were at this event and all these people who weren't at this event and all these people who are around there and who might've seen it. And it's like, okay, but why did we then spend the last 15 minutes or so seeing the guy who is kind of the main character, Homeless, And he's living in a house that doesn't have heat and eating soup and looking like he's dying and then taking a job with a church choir, which I thought that whole kind of wrap up scene was actually fantastic. But the issue for me was we spent so much time just kind of meandering around with all these characters that never had an arc like you were talking about, Nick, like the John Boyega character. I feel like that was just completely incomplete. Like we know nothing about him, and even if he wasn't a, we literally
1: have to watch him go to jail. Yeah, but don't get to see him testify. Yeah, like I'm not convinced that that person would not have been called to the stand. Yeah, but he was sitting
0: with the defendants too. So was he on trial? I don't know, but yeah. yeah.
1: No, but because we spent that time with him, uh, some time with him. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's what makes it all the more confusing that we... But that's the other thing, too. When you're focusing your entire movie, for the most part, on the actual night of, Mm -hmm. then you forfeited your right to be able to investigate thoroughly the due process that... Uh, Came out of this night because that's that's then you need a mini series, you know, you need an episode devoted to the rise, an episode, Mm -hmm. you know, but that's you're not doing that, you're just doing a movie. So that was just like when the night was over, it sounded bad, but I was like, I know what's going to happen, it's pretty clear, and and somehow they just made it even more confusing because it's not like anything happened that you know we wouldn't think happened, but like we said with the John Boyega character, I'm left more questioning how it even played out, even though I was shown how it played out.
0: Yeah. And the the, the other thing is, too, is that we see kind of photos of the incident, which are, uh, I don't think it's an accident that we're shown very specific images, like the body with the knife next to it, over and over and over and over again during the film, and then that's one of like the three photos that exist, uh, apparently, of, of of the actual incident. And it's it felt like the issue is is that you're you're telling a story here that I understand if if Catherine Bigelow or anybody any filmmaker for that matter sees a story that inspires them that makes them want to tell a story because that's what filmmakers do they set out to yeah. make films I mean that's their job um but at the same time um you're you're telling the story uh of an event uh that happened on a on a night during a during a riot and it's a absolutely horrible event that happened that uh led to the death of three people um and no one really apparently got convicted for it but at the same time uh i just felt like the storytelling here was just poor i mean and and i didn't I didn't hate this film either. I didn't really love it or hate it. I just I just could not stay on board with this. And this dragged really badly, too. Like, this was two and a half hours, and it felt like it.
1: Yeah. Um, one thing I got to say is that the portrayal of African Americans in this movie mm-hmm. is... Uh, as a white person, I'll say weirdly one dimensional. Um, they are never not talking about the police or Motown, like, that is the sole breadth of the characterization on display here, and now, okay. These characters and the people that they're portraying are, you know, living in Detroit where all this shit is happening. So it's not like I don't expect uh, these people to be talking about current events and such. But I'm not convinced that they are only defined by what's happening to them. That is victimization that's, you know, that's turning them into a... Uh, uh, a history footnote rather than people who actually had to live through this, and that's what I think is just kind of disturbing here. Mm-hmm. And I don't really trust Catherine Bigelow based on her track record to think of this story as anything more than a tension burner. Like, her best picture is a quote-unquote war film, yeah, some people can say it's some kind of uh, exploration of the uh, I don't know, the effects of wartime on on human minds. Mm-hmm. I think of it as just the bomb movie. And once <laughs> you've seen it once, you have if you ever try to rewatch it, all you're staring at are people trying to disarm bombs you know will go off or off, on. Um and Zero Dark Thirty, which I think is so far the best thing I've seen from her. Mm-hmm. Um is still a procedural to, through and through which is actually to its benefit but here I, I just i don't know uh she seems to make movies uh that are very much about the way a military complex can basically <laughs> defragment uh masculinity and that and that is a weird place to tread in this era not because Something like masculinity can't inform the events of, you know, what happened here. But um, there's something just weird about that. And I'm not sure that she was the right person to tell this story because all she's really interested in, outside of the scene-by-scene tension, if you want to call it that, I call it more just nausea. And, like, not because the movie itself was, like, making me physically upset, even though I probably should if I was like a really decent person, oh. but because it was just like every time, you know, uh, one of the victims would get punched or shot or stabbed or everything that happened to them, mm-hmm. it sounds bad, but it was like, yeah, I get it. Like you didn't need to make an entire movie dehumanizing them in the process. So, um, yeah it just didn't work for me.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah, I um I don't know, you want us to go to final ratings, I guess? It seems like you've pretty much said what you need to say. Sure. Yeah, okay. You wanna go? Yeah, sure.
1: Yeah, just a recap. <laughs> um not really digging it. <laughs> that
0: would be apparent.
1: Um You know, I think even in the most shameless Exploitative films, whether they be the films of Tarantino or even like actual during the era of exploitation, the the golden days uh, during the seventies with grindhouse uh, cinemas doing things like black exploitation, those characters for better or for worse are not victims. Like they are, <laughs> they are characters. Maybe not humans because they're written in a very distinct way that certainly. Uh, <laughs> Um, don't, don't call to mind like actual human beings and whatnot, but they are very much a product of their own volition. And they are not just there to be chess pieces in a history lesson for people who haven't learned the lesson for over 50 years now, um, which makes this a very pointless exercise in filmmaking, uh, Detroit is basically a slavery drama for people who can't stand costume and period movies. (laughs) Like, they need to make sure it's a little more modern so they actually understand it. Uh, So, I gotta say, this movie, when it wasn't just, like I said earlier, exhausting, um, it was mostly tedious, and at its worst, I'll let someone else dig and explore this, with someone far more qualified and someone far more actually cent- uh I would say, centered in this perspective. But at its worst, it was maybe a, a, offensive and sensitive. Uh, I give it one out of five stars. It's yeah. not badly made. But if this is what you can do with good filmmaking, eh, we could live without it. <laughs>
0: all right thank you um uh, yeah i i thought this was for me pretty disappointing and you know you're going to watch a film about um a pretty grim incident uh and we didn't even really talk much about the, <laughs> the uh white southern i guess police officers who are who are there who are
1: well they're exactly who you think they are before yeah.
0: you turn the movie on and yeah then, you... no i just say yeah. yeah it's so it's and it's Will Poulter. We didn't who's talk about uh, uh,
1: female collateral either, though. Um, as far as how there were two white women hmm? at this event, too, who were just as brutalized, not murdered, but um, one was pretty much sexually assaulted. Yeah, and, well, actually, uh, they actually pretty much both were actually.
0: I mean, you yeah, had the one who had the guy's rifle go up. Uh, right. Uh, and then the other one who got her her clothes ripped off. That was the same dog, I thought. No. Oh, uh, right. okay.
1: Well, then they were both sexually yeah. <laughs> assaulted. They looked very similar. Yeah. White people, you know. I was gonna say, <laughs> racism. was <Yeah>. um, <laughs> Racism. But, yeah, and how uh, that was another thing, which I guess I won't say that the movie was misogynistic because this movie seems to hate everybody. Um, But that was certainly an uncomfortable byproduct in how clearly Bigelow doesn't want to, like, not portray like every aspect of this, but like those characters are introduced as joking that they're prostitutes and then being made a fool of on the stand as their final scene. Yeah. And the second woman isn't even mentioned in the, uh, um, the whatever you call it, the denouement, uh, title cards where you get to learn what happened to everybody. She's not important. She was just the fake prostitute's friend. Yeah. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Well, know that's your that's
0: who that person is for their life so that's good yep. <laughs> uh so I, I i thought that this was interesting and intriguing at, at moments specifically early on in the first probably hour of this film uh i was thought that there was some good filmmaking here uh as nick was saying which Again, you've got a lot of people making good-looking films these days, so it's kind of like CGI has gotten, like, just because you did your job well doesn't mean that you should automatically get a pass because your film looked good. You're a, you've got Megan Ellison's film crew behind you. Yeah, and this so, isn't her first rodeo. Right, so it better look good. Um, just... Overall this film though uh just really could not keep my interest and at the same time uh did not make me think any really more about about this incident or about the the mistreatment of of African American people because I mean you've got so many examples uh over the years if you've been paying attention of that, this is pretty much a daily thing, and in, and in, in not obviously to to the scope of of the Detroit riots or the LA riots or anything, but the idea of of racism being in the culture uh, has pretty much been there every single day. This kind
1: of thing has now been just privatized. You know, yeah. it, it happens on the roadside. It ha- mm-hmm. You know, and uh, so yeah. Anyway, and
0: it's. Um, You know, you you have a very interesting kind of of stereotype about Detroit and people who come from Detroit. And this film certainly isn't helping any of that. Um, And at the same time, uh, I wanted to really like this film because I like Catherine Bigelow. I've liked her previous films that I've seen. Uh, I really enjoyed the trailer. Uh, And and yet this film just sort of fell flat as... It didn't do anything to interest me as a film viewer, and at the same time, uh, it didn't really bring anything new to the table in terms of telling a story. Uh, I, I get what kind of film this was, but it didn't it didn't deliver anything that made me feel anything on on the spectrum of of interest or sorrow or sadness or curiosity. It was just. All right, we're we're telling the story. We've told the story, and the story is over now. And you can go home after watching this lengthy bit of text. Um, so it was okay. It was not great or good, and it wasn't also horrible in my estimation. So
1: eh. can I say one more thing?
0: Yeah, really quickly, two and a half out of five.
1: So there it is. Go ahead. Right on. Uh-huh. I was going to say, despite the fact that I hate this, well, I wouldn't even say hate, but uh-huh. despite the fact that I clearly don't like this movie, mm-hmm. I actually think this is basically the perfect example of like a movie to show in school. If people aren't, you know, because students, myself included, when you're in high school, you know, you don't want to like read shit. So this is like an actual good representation of the facts if you want to, I, you know, I'm just saying, I think it would be effective on that level, basically. Mm-hmm. When, yeah, when I, you're young and you haven't been exposed to as many things as you have, the more you I, grow up,
0: I, I suppose. And I mean, an- another thing that I will say for this film is, I feel like this doesn't, this doesn't try to make it seem as if, um, you know, any part party that was other than John Byega's character, any party really in this was not clearly angry that this was going on the white people were angry angry because they are racist and hate white people or because they are police officers or anyone who's been called into a pretty much war zone in a major u.s city we have the residents here who are angry because i mean it's just and it's just one of those things that just continues to cascade on and that's and, and that is one of the reasons why I genuinely really enjoyed the end of this film, because I think it was pretty important for this film to end on a note of saying, oh, there is something to black people other than having guns and going to parties and...
1: Gospel choir.
0: Well, that's
1: okay. I mean... it Would have been the same thing if they had sat down to eat chicken and waffles.
0: I mean the guy actually apparently became that was he his did. life, so it's not like they were just making that up. I, I mean if you if he had if he had actually like went on to be a crack addict and then they're like, Well actually he he's uh you know, he's a he's a church choir instructor. But I,
1: I mean it well, gets Well then to- by that same side of the coin then there was no other way for this movie to end so it's not in any way profound to show that this is another quote-unquote side to black people it's just they just did it because it was a fact once again
0: yeah but you spent so much of, of this film and you do spend so much of time when discussing anyone in a uh in any light like this uh focusing completely on the story at hand and even if you want to say that every single African American person here is just completely persecuted for being black uh and they are and, yeah <laughs> <laughs> well no I but
1: I, I do want to say yeah. That. <laughs> <laughs> and please give me that choice <laughs> yeah well it's,
0: there there is really no other choice than than that here um but you you have the whole thing that just sort of cascades in on itself but then you you have it ending as this is not necessarily if you choose this to not be what your life is going to be then it does not have to be that way which uh i mean it, and that's the problem here because you anything anyone says whether it be katherine bigelow myself or or you or anybody uh, any, if anyone has a an opinion about really anything, it could probably be con, construed as being well that doesn't. So, I, I don't know. I I I like the the ending of this film and the and some of the beginning, but but there was a lot here that I just I'm, I'm good on. So, I will say uh, I think we're probably at least both somewhat more excited for the next film we're going to talk about. I am. I know you are. And that's because
1: somebody s- came out of retirement.
0: Bullshit! That whole no, the he whole, did no. The whole thing was just so ridiculous. Um, so Steven Soderbergh, yeah, three years ago, I guess, said he was retiring from making films, which was after uh, Behind the Candelabra. He he said he was he was done, and mm-hmm. there will be no more films. Boom! And then he he made uh, a television series.
1: Yeah, he proceeded to mm-hmm. direct. 20 episodes of the Nick which mm-hmm. is every single episode mm-hmm. uh basically edit and shoot Magic Mike XXL yeah
0: and then and then jump right back into directing
1: yeah <laughs> That's retirement for Soderbergh man yeah. he's always
0: been a little busy beaver So anyways he's <laughs> back uh and he he has made a a new film which is uh I got to say the premise is fantastic yeah it is The idea of um People uh, trying to pull off a heist at a, uh, a NASCAR race is pretty fantastic. And uh, we've got some interesting characters here. We have some interesting performances here. Joe Bang! Sure. Yeah, that uh, that Daniel Craig performance. I don't even like this. Daniel
1: Craig, <laughs> but I'm excited. Uh, and,
0: yeah, there, there, there's just a whole lot here that that I think could be good or could be not so good. But... I will almost always at this point give Steven Soderbergh the benefit of the doubt because even when yeah, I've you seen, should. yeah, because even when I've seen things on the outside, I'm like, oh, that looks stupid. Then I'm like, actually, mm. that movie, The Informant, is fantastic. So yeah, it is, it is, yeah, yeah. Um, but if you saw the trailer for that and get, didn't give it a chance, you could easily look at that and go, well, that looks horrible. Well,
1: maybe so be a bad person.
0: Well, thanks for that. So <laughs> we're going to talk about Logan Lucky, uh, the film. Yeah uh that is centered around the triumphant return of Steven Soderbergh coming up on our next episode. If you have any thoughts on the film Detroit, we'd actually love to hear them because yes. It's probably would be uh Tucson, more...
1: <laughs> if you're listening, <laughs>
0: <laughs> you almost made it through the whole episode. Let us know what you think and if you're still alive. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure and most people out there, uh, if they if they wrote down some thoughts, could put together put together a better grouping of thoughts than you and I had on Whoa. this podcast.
1: What's that supposed to mean? Speak for yourself, big guy.
0: Okay, is that just because I'm taller than you? That's why you said that. No. Okay. Oh. Uh, so any <laughs> any thoughts on either Detroit? Or uh, if you've got thoughts on Steven Soderbergh coming back to the big screen yeah. with Logan Lucky, always I mean, who doesn't? I mean, I think most people. I don't think anyone's going to go see it in the theater, but we'll, we'll be there. Yeah, I, we I don't. I, we might be the
1: only ones. Better not be. Yeah,
0: we'll see. Uh, any thoughts on those? Always feel free to send them on to us at filmtankshow at gmail You can also find us very, very, very occasionally on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at filmtankshow. And you can find all of our episodes on filmtankshow.com, or else you can find our episodes on iTunes or Stitcher at Film Tank Show. From Nick Cheney, myself, Alex Diekman, thank you very much for catching up with us here on Film Tank, and we will catch up with you next time. <laughs>